Hebrews said, you've not come to Mount Sinai like Moses did. You've not come to a mountain quaking with thunder lightning. No, it says you've come to the city of the living God and to thousands of angels in joyful assembly of God where the firstborn whose names are written in heaven. You've come to God himself who is the one who rules to the spirits of the redeemed. That means it's more like Brother Matt was saying, we've came to a heavenly assembly already in motion. We came. I, I came up here yesterday morning. I, I love to walk around here. I've taken some time away from the gym for a few months to focus on that which is imperative. And uh, I was doing walking around here, doing declarations in the hot sun. You know, when I got up here, it's like somebody was already going ahead of me. We come to worship. Somebody is already worshiping. Somebody in the heavenly, not just the time frames of New Zealand and Australia who happen to be ahead of us and have already spent the Sabbath worshiping, but we join in with the angels and the heavenly assembly and the firstborn, the great witnesses, thousands upon thousands worshiping the Lamb. Guess what the agenda of the lamb of the jesus christ the son of god continues and lives on someone give the lamb another praise this morning so we're gonna we're going to pray i ran into this illustration um this is from c3 conference this is a conference where thousands of pastors come in Oh, it's awesome to preach to pastors, and they're enjoying it. This is Buddy Kermeen's a pastor from New York, and um, he gives an illustration that I just love, and he ends with a simple thing of Godfidence. It's just a funny illustration, but it paints a picture. Say, I am the red team. Say, I am the red team. You understand? Say, I am number 23. I'm the shooter. I'm on the red team and say heaven cheers me on father in the name of jesus we welcome your holy spirit we ask you to speak to us this morning in this short message speak to us through this simple humorous illustration but also speak to us through your word holy spirit we come to hear from you we come to receive you. we thank you the way you've been showed up. i think when you showed up wednesday night god just tore this place up on a wednesday night you were present among us but this is sunday god and we anticipate and expect you to be here we bless our part of our fellowship that's not here today we speak blessings to them and we thank you for doing the impossible in jesus name everyone said amen Buddy Kermeens is what you missed is it's on a Sunday and he's preached and he missed his coma nap. You ever had a coma nap on Sunday? So he missed it and he's all riled up so he doesn't know what to do himself so he goes to the YMCA to take a run and burn off energy and this is where we drop. We bring the lights down. We brought right into the store. You can bring this one down too if you like. So I decided to go to the YMCA. I don't typically go to the Y on Sunday, so I went to the Y. And I got on the track, and I just started running. And I was running around the track. It's about my pace, too. I was running around the track. I'm taking the track, and I noticed below at the basketball court, there's this league. And the league's going on, and it's the red team and the white team. And I kind of looked because I love basketball, and I was watching that. Get my heart rate up. Here I go. And... I noticed there weren't any fans at all. I also noticed that the white team was stacked, man. They had all of the height. They had all the talent. Red team, they were hurting. And I was watching the game every time I would come by. And after a mile, stopped. And I felt like God spoke to me and said, buddy, change that. 
change that game. What did I do? Did I go play? No, I could have, but I didn't. What did I do? I just started to do this. I said, red team. Red team! Red team! You can do this. Now, mind you, there aren't anyone in the stands. I'm up on the second tier. Red team, you can do this. Let's go, red team. Get your head up, red team. Get your head in the game. Come on, red team. Let's do this. You know what the whole league did? I noticed number 23 on the red team. I don't know his name. I never met these people in my life. But I noticed that he had a sweet shot in warm-ups. I said, and his body language was all jacked up and kind of just, the red team, they weren't playing to win. They weren't even playing to lose, church. And so I said, get the ball to 23. Get the ball to 23. 23, we need you. 23, shoot the rock. 23, you got game. Feed it to 23. I watched the power of my voice and just how it changed the atmosphere. Said a little 23 going like this, all of a sudden, hmm. <laughs> Guess what? They got it to 23, he came off the screen. You know what? Shook him. <laughs> yeah, that's it. They were down 20 points. Keep feeding 23, keep feeding 23. Whole body language changed. Amazing, amazing. At the same time on the white team, big, huge, huge guy, dunking on everybody. The white team was talking smack to the red team. And I said, man, listen, guys, you're, you keep feeding 23, but not, listen, you're playing up on this one guard that's so quick and he's taking you off the dribble, play off of him. What I said from the stands, I said, he can't shoot. White team can't shoot. He can't shoot. He's mocking you. He's talking smack to you. He showed you one side, he can't shoot. You're playing up on a get off of him, make him shoot. He looked at me, how you doing, man? Guess what? They played off of him, right? Guess what? He had to shoot. Brick. Let's go, red team. It goes from a 20-point deficit, 15, 10. I kid you not. I don't make this up. It got to a five-point spread. I was so excited. Unbelievable. It gets to a two-point spread. 20 seconds left on the clock. They tie up the game. Big, huge dude. I'm like, here we go, red team. We got this. Big, huge dude on the white team looks up at the stands and goes, hey, dude, why don't you go somewhere else? <laughs> Suddenly, I lost my confidence. I'm like, that dude wants to hurt me, man. He had a lot of anger issues, man. He could take me out. So I said, hey, man, I'm just a fan of the game. You got game? Keep playing, man. comes down, 26 is, the guy 23 comes off the screen, it's crazy, he gets it, he lines up, he shoots, it goes, <laughs> boom, 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 shook him, the red team won. Yeah! Why? Confidence! Confidence!
confidence. You say, buddy, are you taking credit for the red team's victory? You better believe I am. Because I am confident if I wasn't there speaking into their lives and encouraging them, they never would have had the victory. The power of confidence. Imagine how your life would change. Imagine how your church would change. Imagine how your marriage would change. Your relationships. If we all could access this thing inside of us of confidence, having the courage and confidence to become completely who God has created us to be. So how do we act? Oh. There you go. Give the red team a hand. Now look at your neighbor and say, red team, go. In fact, just clap for them. Just clap. Cheer on. Cheer on. Cheer on. Cheer on. That's the way in the last tw next 20 minutes that I probably have that heaven cheers for you. Can heaven change a game? Absolutely. Has heaven ever changed a game in your life? Has heaven ever cheered you on in a moment you didn't think you could get on? Gideon is in that place of the red team. Everyone say the red team. He's number 23 and he's lost his confidence. He calls it, um, Buddy Kermings calls it Godfidence. Look at your neighbor and say, you need Godfidence. You need Godfidence. And Godfidence can change the atmosphere. Godfidence can change your posture. The most insecure person will stand up when they believe what God says about them. When they believe, it doesn't matter what you say about me. It doesn't matter what you think about me. But what I believe in my heart that God says about me is what's going to get me up out of the bed in the morning and send me through my day. Somebody give God a hand clap of praise for that Godfidence that God gives. The confidence that God gives and what you see in you, it becomes what God sees in you, not just what you see in yourself. The great God who believes in you more than you believe in yourself. There's people in your life and people in my life who believe in us. But when we see and understand what God sees in us, when we get into this word and we hear what God says we are and who God says we can be, it changes us from being bent over to standing up. Remember when Jesus called the woman out of the balcony that was bent over and he healed her. God confidence calls you out of the balcony of low self-esteem, the balcony of insecurity, the balcony of anger, the balcony of feeling like I can't get through this, I can't get over. It gets you out of the balcony of everything everybody has ever voted on you and said about you in my life from the time I was 17. There was people that would get to cast lots on my future and say it's over for Rhonda Davis. When I was divorced, they said I would have no ministry. When I didn't have a future, they said there's no way. Bless her heart. She'll have to just be a second class citizen. But when God called me out of the balcony of despair, of insecurity, of low self-esteem, when God says, go red team, go you mighty children of the most high God, it's a game changer. Oh, somebody give God a shout of praise on this Sunday morning. 
And where Gideon found himself is a familiar passage. I'm not really going to go to all the places you go to in this passage. I'm going to go right here to confidence, right in these next few minutes to what God would say. And then we might just praise him for 10 solid minutes before we leave this place. But nothing could be worse than where they found themselves. In fact, the Bible says the Midianites were so cruel that Israel had fled to the mountains. They made hiding places for themselves in caves and in dens. The Midianites had risen against them. Israel had rebelled. I think that's important not to overlook. I think sometimes we think to be Janice a candidate for a greater future, a greater hope, we have to believe we're some kind of saint like Abraham, even though Abraham lied about his wife. We think we've got to be some kind of saint like Rahab, even though Rahab was a prostitute. We think we've got to be some kind of saint like Jacob, though Jacob was a liar and deceiver who had his name changed to Israel, the very son of the Almighty God. We think to be a candidate for something powerful and awesome for God to fight for us, for God to say the Lord is with you, that we've got to come to be some kind of saint of perfection. We look around us at people and we think, oh, he is a perfect candidate for a glorious future. Am I the only one that's ever done that? Oh, she must be so blessed and have it all together. Truly God will use her. But let me tell you, Israel had sinned and Israel had rebelled and the Midianites were after them. But guess what? God had a plan for a greater future, a greater hope. And no matter what is knocked on the door of your life, of your heart, God has a greater, come on somebody, plan and a greater hope because that's who he is. Look at your neighbor and say, go red team, go. Heaven cheers for you just like that. Heaven says, make this a game changer. Heaven says, God says to the angels who exist, yes, who did fill this place before we came. The angels of God that are millions upon millions upon the planet earth. Every one of us have one, but I believe they often cheer us on. Oh, we don't hear them with our physical ears. We don't hear them like Buddy was doing for that red team, but the angels cheer us on and say, God is with you and gets you out of the dark place into the light place, out of the place with no hope into the place of the hopeful, out of the place of bondage into the place of freedom, out of the place of sickness into the place of wholeness, out of the place of divorce into the hope and the future and what God can can do out of the place in security into the place of confidence out of the place of worry into the place of calm assurance out of the place of fear into the place of faith out of the place of no hope into the place of I can do all things through Christ God is always got a plan somebody give a shout unto God with a voice of triumph confidence and there they are hiding in caves well that wasn't bad enough I mean that's just a horrible picture that you would have to leave your home today and hide in caves because the enemy has plundered you so much. And it said whenever they planted crops to try to exist from their caves, the uh, marauders of the Midianite would attack Israel. They would attack, they left the Israelites with nothing to eat. They took their sheep, their oxen, their donkeys. In fact, the Bible says that the enemies were as thick as locust. Thick as locust. Think of how thick this room could be right now with locusts. Think about it. Think how little locusts are. For the Bible to say that the Bible is trying to paint you a picture of how thick this onslaught was against the people of God. 
If you pictured this room covered with locusts, they're so small. If it's thick as locusts, that means I couldn't even see Daniel in the sound booth because locusts filled the room. It means that the enemies of God, the enemies, and that's important you remember, they are the enemies of God. They're more God's enemies than they are your enemies. And they're going against God by going against God's people. That the locusts were so thick, that the, the enemies were so thick, they were like locusts, and they reduced Israel to starvation. Who in this room has ever been reduced to starvation? Oh, I thought I'd been reduced a few times. Come on, somebody. I thought I'm going to say, I'm going to starve to death. I'm starving. How many's ever said that? I'm starving. I tell you, I'm starving. I'm going to eat a chair. I'm going to eat a piece of wood. When I was fasting in the fall for the Esther fast, I wanted to eat the fish in the tank. I thought about Susan said she started staring at the leaves longingly, thinking if she put a little salt on them and put them in the oven, how delicious they might. We would, that's how how we encouraged each other during the Esther fast. Courtney laid on the floor of the kitchen, almost passed out. I mean, we were just like, what can we eat? Things begin to look good. You know, when you get a little bit of hunger, you think I want this, but I don't know about you, but when you're starving, it comes down, give me just a piece of cheese. I mean, I'll reach and just, I'll just give me a piece of cheese. I'm starving. I mean, just give me anything. That's why when you're dieting, they tell you, you know, eat every three hours, because when you get to starvation, you'll just eat anything. I mean, you'll eat a, a bag of chips. You'll eat anything or you'll eat that anytime because that's what we feel like starving but look at your neighbor and say you've never really starved to death you've never really starved to death but it says Israel was reduced to starvation they were reduced to starvation for the word of God to say starvation that's not me not eating all day or fasting for three days that means I'm so hungry I'm like the children in Uganda that are starving I'm like the children in Kenya that have nothing. I'm like the children in the third world countries that I'm starving. I haven't had my cup of rice for three days and I feel like I can't go on. They were reduced to starvation. Someone say starvation. Whatever you're facing in your life right now, as ominous as it might be, as big as the mountain might seem, none of what we can face, though they mean a lot to us. When Courtney was in the hospital with open heart surgery, a doctor said something to me so powerful at Vanderbilt because in the next room would be a child that had a tonsillectomy. And, I, you know, I would say to the doctor, you know, they're just people all around me with such simple problems. And he said, but we never treat it as simple. He said, we treat the mother of the tonsillectomy child equal as we're treating you, the mother of a child who just had her baby cut at nine weeks old from here to here open, heart taken out, body stopped, hand, heart put in the surgeon's hand and canals dug out of that baby's heart. He said, we treat the mother in the next room the same way we treat you. Let me tell you something. That was good news to me because there's some days I know I'm whiny about a hangnail. Come on somebody. I know I'm, I don't really whine about a hangnail, but I'm just trying to paint a picture. I'm fussing about something so small and so little when someone next to me in the next house someone at the next desk is facing hell and I mean onslaught of hell can barely get their shoes on in the morning I'm to be mindful and I'm to be merciful and I'm to be compassionate and realize there's people always hurting more than me there's people always with bigger broken hearts than me there's people always facing more fear than me but the bottom line good news Austin Chadwick is my God treats my little thing the same way he treats someone that is facing hell. He cares. He treats me. Somebody give God a hand clap of praise. 
And the Bible says that the Israelites cried out to the Lord for help. I love the Lord for he heard my cry. He lifted me up out of a pit. He put a new song in my mouth, a hymn of praise unto my God. Many shall fear, Psalms 40, and shall see the glory of the Lord. Psalms 18, I cried unto the Lord. He heard me out of his holy hill. He braced himself. He shrouded himself with darkness. He came from glory. He came to the earth. I cried unto the Lord, Psalms 118, and he heard me. He delivered me out of all my fears. The Lord is my rock, my refuge the Lord is my song I will call upon the Lord the psalmist said who is worthy to be praised and so shall I be saved from my enemies that's not a parable that's not a fantasy that is not a Disney movie but that is the truth the Israelites cried out to God in their moment of brokenness in their moment of overwhelmingness and guess what the Lord heard and the Lord came with an answer somebody give God a clap and a shout of praise the paradox of faith is that God always sees more in you and believes more in you than believe in yourself sometimes our enemies um, uh, Susan Vernon's um, sister-in-law Chris's sister Babs Babs and her husband incredible people in Chattanooga have been partners of this ministry in amazing ways through the years love us love us and recently, um, recently after some things, um, some attacks came to know public. Babs was at a district. She's a, on the regional board of Teen Challenge. She was in the state of Tennessee, and the president of the whole southeast region came up to her and said, "How is, how is um, Pastor Hank?" And Rhonda said, they're pushing through. He said, make sure they get the book, The Necessity of an Enemy. It's important they get this right now from Ron Carpenter. Um, Susan sent me a link. I had it from Amazon Prime shipping overnighted to my house. And in there, I won't go into that book, but The Necessity of an Enemy, an amazing thing this man went through. He's on television, Ron Carpenter, with his church, a similar situation and how he got through. And he talks about the necessity of an enemy, that sometimes the enemy pushes you to a place you would have never gotten by yourself. Necessity of an enemy is an enemy sets you up for transition into a place that you might not have ever gotten before. The necessity of an enemy is that if something pushes you in, it pushes you forward to seek God and to depend on God in a way you never would before. The necessity of an enemy is it begins to make a platform for a place and a voice. And when I look back into my life, any enemy in my life pushed me to the next level. Let me tell you something. The Midianites are pushing Gideon to a place of victory he would have never found by himself. You may see the enemy marauding into your husband's life, your children's life, your sister's life, your, your ministry's life, your office life, your marriage life, your relationship life, your security, your confidence, your family. You may seem that the enemy is pushing in and pushing in, but if you allow God to come in his strength and give you the Godfather that enemy the necessity of him is he will push you to wreak havoc upon enemies and take a stand you would have never stood because we at our base nature are weak impoverished people who would rather lay on the couch come on somebody and eat bonbons than to rise up oh I would I'd rather lay and watch TV I mean I'm a very driven I, I, I like to accomplish things my my security is often found in what I can accomplish but I don't willingly want to get a sword in the middle of the horse of hell and start slaying demons I don't in myself want
want to do that. I don't want to have to see by spiritual eyes and get into a middle of attack and be like Psalms 27. Even when I am attacked, I will remain confident. No, no one willingly wants to lift up a sword. I remember that incredible scene off of Lord of the Rings when that warrior is, is surrounded by so many against him. You think it's a him and they're coming all of a sudden this warrior lifts up its sword and the, the main commander said no man has ever killed me and no man ever will kill me and all of a sudden that daughter of a king took her helmet off and she said I am no man and she took her sword and sliced his head off. I'm going to tell you it's one of my favorite scenes but I would never ever sign up for that. I would never say I hope next month I can grab my sword out like Gideon and say for the for Rhonda and for the Lord I fight today for Mish and for the Lord I fight today for Pastor David and for the Lord I fight today for Austin and for the Lord I fight today oh no I wouldn't dream at night I hope I can find myself in that kind of situation we love to watch it on the big screen but when it meets us right where we live that's when the rubber meets the road and the Lord says you are a mighty hero rise up and let the necessity of an enemy push you to a place you would have never gotten to before oh somebody give God a shout of praise and the necessity of an enemy removes those hidden fears inside of us because the light shines on us the necessity of an enemy often when we fight you see the big thing about Israel we talked about this Wednesday night the big thing about Israel that was so hard was Israel was fighting an enemy they had fought before and often we find ourselves fighting an enemy we have fought before. It's easy to want to despair and say we're done. Just like the children of Israel when they came out from Pharaoh. We said this Wednesday night, so don't worry team. I know that we had a mighty shouting time in here Wednesday night. But just let me pass by here quickly about this. You see... God had done so many mighty things and God had brought the plagues and here Israel had crossed out and come out of Egypt God had shown his glory Pharaoh had lost his firstborn son all of this but the Bible says that God drew Pharaoh out sometimes God draws an enemy out sometimes God by his sovereignty lets an enemy pursue you because God wanted the enemy to chase Israel because God wanted to drown that enemy forever and ever. Sometimes in your marriage, you may face an enemy that you faced before and you think, I don't got the guts or the strength. But the Lord says, you know what? This time, not just the horse is going into the sea. You see, before the horse went into the sea, but the Bible says when they stood there before the Red Sea and the Egyptians were coming behind them and nothing was before them and Pharaoh and his armies were pursuing with intent to kill who in their right mind chases the people of God after God has shown his glory it's because God uses enemies to push you through to a level of faith and they're standing before the Red Sea and Moses as you know lifts that rod over the waters and the waters part and the children of Israel start crossing just like you you start making some headway they start crossing over the dry ground and all of the sudden Pharaoh is ignorant enough or just smart enough by God's sovereignty to begin to pursue them on the dry ground. But guess what? The water's covered and the song of Moses and the song of Mary.
Miriam was the Lord has triumphed gloriously the horse and rider he has thrown into the sea those Egyptians that you saw you will see them no more so let me tell you right now there's some battles you wondering why did I have to face this twice or three times you've got to stand with Israel and say Lord don't just let the rider don't just let the thing go down but let the thing the thing rode on in go down too let it be squashed underneath the power of the Lord somebody give God a shout of praise the Bible says in the song of Moses the Lord simply blew his breath upon the waters and the waters stood still it says in Exodus 15 you made our enemies sit silent like a stone until we could pass by I've been praying that over prodigals that are trying to get home that the Lord would make their enemies their captors their tormentors stand silent like a stone so his children can pass on by and get back to the house of God let me tell you God is the most powerful spirit in the planet God knows how to subdue his enemies and God knows how to subdue your enemies somebody give the Lord a shout of praise in fact let me read to you what I read and I'll get back and we'll get done Isaiah 49 I put this on Facebook yesterday Matt Hicks and I quoted this around my walk yesterday it says God says who can snatch the plunder of war from the hands of a warrior who can take from a warrior what the warrior has taken who can take back someone who's hooked on drugs who can take back someone that's hooked on pornography who can take back someone who has been hooked up with a oppression or depression who can demand that a tyrant let his captives go there's a tyrant of a spirit of a pornography there's a tyrant of a spirit of addiction there's a tyrant of a spirit of depression there's a tyrant of a spirits all in this land and it says who can do that the Isaiah is painting a picture that the Lord is saying right here I'm telling you how hard and how deep and how vast this battle is so no one looks like they can take it from a warrior no one looks like they can take back your plunder from the enemy what he's taken from your marriage what he's taken from your finances what he's taken from your future but the Lord says someone say the Lord says the captives of warriors will be released and the plunder of tyrants will be retrieved that means what the enemy has stolen we're going to retrieve those captives of warriors will release and I will fight those who fight you and I will save your children for I am the Lord your Savior your Redeemer the mighty one of Israel somebody give him a shout of praise somebody give him a shout of praise somebody give him a shout of praise the praises go up his glory comes down whatever has been stolen whatever has been taken the Lord says the tyrant shall not keep it the warrior shall not hold it there's no greater spirit than the Holy Spirit for every Herod there's a Jesus for every Jezebel there's an Elijah for every Ahab there's an Elijah for every Haman there's an Esther for every demon there is the spirit of the Most High God who reigns in the heavens for 
every attack there is the glory of the third person of the Trinity he is so powerful and he says not by might nor by power but by my spirit says the Lord I shall retrieve what is mine oh somebody give him a shout of praise for every spirit of Goliath that's still mocking intimidating the children of God there is a David for every spirit of Jezebel still makes men and women hide in caves there is a spirit of Elijah for every spirit of Absalom that tries to divide house of worship there is still the spirit of God and there is a David for every spirit of Herod that tries to kill there is still the agenda of the Lamb of God there is still a spirit for every principality and power and imp and dark Lord from hell for every ungodly alliance and every web of deceit and lie there is still a spirit more powerful than all these spirits combined the most powerful spirit alive today is not the spirit of Pharaoh not Goliath or Absalom or Haman but the most powerful spirit is the powerful spirit of the Holy Spirit someone give him another shout of praise Behold the Lamb of God. Behold Matt Hicks, the Lamb of God. In 1917, and I'll get back to finish this message. I only got about a couple more minutes. Lennon declared in St. Petersburg Square, by the 21st century, there will not be a Christian alive. In 1939, in Luxembourg, Germany, Adolf Hitler declared that the Third Reich would outlast Jesus Christ. In 1960, the Beatles said that by the 21st century, they would receive more adoration than the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. But guess what? We're in 2012. Lenin is dead. Hitler is dead. The Beatles are gone. But the church of Jesus Christ is still alive in the earth today. The church of Jesus Christ is still alive today. The church of Jesus Christ is still full of glory today. Thank you, Jesus. Look at your neighbor and say, the Lord is with you, mighty hero. The Lord is with you, mighty hero. So come help me, Matt. Let me see where I can get out of, get, get to where I need to go. When heaven cheers you on. Just play that hallelujah. When heaven cheers you on. And Gideon said to the angel, talking about confidence this morning, when heaven cheers you, if God is for me, if the Lord is with me, what has all this happened to me and to us? Religious naysayers would have said, this is why it happened prognosters would said this is why it's happened didn't they say the Lord brought us up out of Egypt but now the Lord has abandoned us and handed us over to the Midianites there's moments when you feel like you've been handed over to that problem in your marriage you've been handed over to that financial situation you've been handed over to your distress you've been handed over to your past you've been handed over to your anger You've been handed over to your addiction. You've been handed over. It feels like you've been handed over. But God was in the moment to bring victory. God is with you today. God, where are you? What he was saying, 
I don't feel like you've done squat for me. And God says, go in the strength you have, Gideon. Go in the strength you have, daughter of God. Go in the strength you have, son of God. Go in whatever strength, what Gideon was saying. He went on to say, I'm the the least of my clan. My clan's the least. I love Gideon because I just see my picture right there. The child who made C's in school couldn't tie my shoes till I was nine. The child who never learned how to whistle, who now has a 3.8 at Lee University, who now, by the Spirit, when I got clothed in who he said I was, everything changed for me. If they had cast lots, I said, for between us three children, who would preach on international television? Nobody would have ever. They thought I might, people's perception of whatever I look, maybe I could get homecoming queen, that'd be about it. No one would have cast a lot of those three children of who would do these things. Both my siblings have done amazing things for God. Amazing. My sister is a pastor and administrator. She's the most intelligent woman I personally know. Amazing. But when we were children, if someone had said, who will do this? No one would have said little Rhonda. No one would have said it. Because my thought was, I'm the weakest. I'm the smallest. I have the least whatever and that's what Gideon says but God says go in the strength that you have Jerry when you go in the strength that you have however small it is however little it is you might say I'm hanging on by a thread go in the strength of the thread I'm hanging on by a toenail go in the strength of the toenail I'm hanging on barely here I'm about to go over the cliff hang on just a little bit with the strength that you have because he says that to Gideon because he knows greater strength is coming. He knows greater anointing is coming. God knows greater glory is coming. If Gideon will just hang on, if he will go in the strength of the Lord is with you, mighty hero, anything is possible. Wherever you are today, heaven is cheering for you. Wherever you are today, whatever you're doing, heaven is cheering for you. You know it. God got it down from God got it down from 32,000 to 300. You know what that is? That's a remnant, which I find very interesting. That's a remnant. God's been talking to us about a remnant for about a year now. From this church, a remnant. A remnant. Because God said, I don't want Israel taking the glory. I don't want anyone to say they got here by themselves. And they went through all that process to narrow it down. But he said, God is with you. Today, heaven cheers you on before we get to this victory. Heaven is saying... It's okay if you want to say, you've not done squat for me, God. If you're with me, then why am I where I am? But heaven cheers you on like heaven cheered on Abraham. And three visitors came to visit him in the cool of the day to say, I will give you that promise I promised you a long time ago. And heaven cheered on Jacob when angels were descending and ascending to heaven. And heaven cheered Esther on. And heaven cheered on all the Old Testament. Heaven cheered on Manoah's wife, Samson's mother, to let her know he was coming with a promise. And when Jen, and when uh, uh, Matthew opens up, heaven sent an angel to Zechariah to cheer him on that the promise would be fulfilled. And heaven sent an angel to Mary, saying, Mary, what is in you is going to be born of God. And heaven cheered her on, saying, God is with you. He's more than who is ever going to be against you. And God sent an angel to Joseph when his thoughts were tormented that maybe maybe what was being said about Mary was true. Maybe it was true that she got pregnant by another man. Maybe he should put her away. But God sent an angel. We need more 
more heavenly visitations. We need the Holy Spirit. We need angels. We need the truth to come to us. We need God to speak to us in these moments, to speak truth so that the vision and the destiny of what God wants to do will not waver. And you know what? To very small group of people that were huddled in fear in the upper room on the day of Pentecost, heaven came in the room to a group of people who had ran from Calvary. Only John had stood. People that had disappointed themselves. People that weren't there for Jesus' hour. They didn't stand with the Messiah. They didn't stand with Him as He endured a public stoning and scoffing among the land. They ran and they hid. But on the day of Pentecost, those weak warriors, heaven cheered them on and the Holy Ghost descended into the room like fire on their head. And they began to speak in another language and heaven cheered them on that if God be for you, He's more than those against you. That the Spirit is the greatest Spirit and the Spirit cheers you on today that He will get you through. Somebody give Him praise and we're going to stop today. Go Red Team. So you know the story which we're going to do in just a minute. They took those pictures. Keith Dudley was the first one I ever heard in the beginning of the church. Our very dear covenant brother who's coming soon to minister for us. They took that picture and they took that pot and they began to hit it as they went into the camp to defeat the Midianites, the small 300, the remnant. Oh, the picture was that 32,000 would do this. The picture is mission in my greatest moment of strength and articulation. That's when everyone's going to be really impressed with me. It's never that way. It's usually in my weakest moment. It's usually in the, well, I went to preach the first time on international television. We'd been on shows like I went to preach the first time, which takes to another realm. At the weakest moment of my life, we think this is when the breakthrough. 32,000 coming into the Midianite camp. 32,000 beating the Gehenna out of the enemy. Come on. 32,000. Now you can't say a cuss unless you know what that is. 32,000 going in there. That's the way we picture it. That what spells victory for us. It's funny, pastors. It's funny, brothers and sisters, lay people, generals, veterans, corporals, lieutenants, everyone in this room, new baby Christians. It's funny how we always picture success will look. That it said that 32,000 strength. It's funny how we picture that's when the victory is going to come. When time after time after time in the Word of God, it's always the opposite. It's always in the weak moments. It's always when things usually look their bleakest. It's always when you think God can't get them out of there. Why? Because God wants all the glory for your life. When the victory comes, God wants to say, I did it. I narrowed the odds down. I reduced it down to what it would be a remnant of strength in you, a remnant of hope in you, a remnant of faith in you right now. Whatever that remnant, that remnant is 10%, I believe, Seth, biblically. A remnant. I only have 10% of the faith I think I need. I only have 10% of the hope I need. I only have 10% of the confidence I need. God says that's awesome because with your praise and with your strength, the little strength that you have, we're going down and we're saying the battle belongs to the Lord and to Rhonda, to Maga and to Rhonda, to Angela and to Rhonda, to Angela and the Lord, to Courtney and the Lord. The Lord's battle belongs to Him and He receives the glory. Everyone stand up on your feet right now. Come on, stand up on your feet right now. This is what we're going to do. I want you to pretend right now 
that you are that red team and while you're cheering you're cheering yourself on and you're cheering God on Takah in the Hebrew is like when you see a basketball team and you clap so when it says clap your hands all your people it means Takah God is on the court Takah God is on the court. So when you clap, we're going to fill this atmosphere with praise for a couple of minutes. And we're going to pray over you. But when you do, you're cheering the red team on. You're cheering God's people on. You're cheering yourself on. You're saying, I am a mighty hero. The Lord is with me. And I want you to keep saying it. Say it silently. Speak it. Say it in your mind. But I want you to begin to clap right now. Come on. I want you to begin to clap. Come on. Come on. I want you to begin to shout unto God. Come on, I want you to make it about Him. Yes, go red team, go. The Lord is with you. 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 Come on, come on, come on. There's no greater spirit than the Holy Spirit. There's no greater spirit than the Holy Spirit. The church of Jesus Christ is still alive and well all over the world. Come on, keep clapping. Come on, come on. I want you to get some calluses on your hands. I want you to put those hands together. I want you to shout unto God, glory, hallelujah, glory. Come on, shout it. You can do it. Come on, shout 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 it. Kids, I want you to cheer. Cheer, 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 cheer. Yes, yes. Go red team. Go red team, go red team. Don't let the enemy speak back to you. Go red team. They can't shoot, they can't shoot. Go red team, go God. Now praise him one more minute for whatever you're believing him for. Come on, come on. Whatever it is you're believing him for, whatever it is, hallelujah, hallelujah. No greater spirit than the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Rosokonda da Hadai. Yemama Hokaya. Hiarama Hosai. Rama Koseda. Urana Koranahai. Ise. Ura Shepakada. Noma Kotadai. Face someone, take their hands in your hands and begin to pray 